name is regret I'm pretty sure we have met Every single day of your life I'm the whisper inside That won't let you forget Hello, my name is Defeat I know you recognize me Just when you think you can win I'll drag you right back down again Till you've lost all I better get up there. Well, good morning. Aren't you guys loving this rain? Isn't it awesome? Yes. The Lord heard our prayers. I know we've all been praying for rain for a really long time. Well, we are so glad that you guys are here with us today to worship. Whether you're joining us in person, we want to welcome our online service as well. Yes, we do. And um, as always, under your seat, there's a little card there. Um, it's our, you have our connection card. If uh, there's anything you'd like us to pray for, if you have a praise report, fill that out. Drop it in the drop box at the end of the service so we can rejoice with you and we can intercede and pray. Uh, how many of you believe God hears our prayers? How many of you believe God answers our prayers? Amen. Amen. According to his will and his purpose, he does answer our prayers. Yeah. So we have some real exciting things coming up next. Uh, this Wednesday... We start Vacation Bible School at the Kearney campus. So how many of you are praying for that? We have a lot of young ones that come out. Uh, so be in prayer for that Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. How many of you have been enjoying the rain? Huh? Oh, you just asked that. I just asked that, but you can But they got a better, I got a better response, it seems like. Online campus. I'm hurt. <laughs> The other thing is, on Sunday uh, that, of next week, we launch our first morning service or kind of mid -after or early afternoon service in Kearney. So we're excited about that as well. So, yeah. And then we are also very excited about next Sunday. We're going to start a Proverbs 31-day challenge. It's a campaign where we're all together in our online campus as well. Every day for 31 days during the month of August, we're going to be reading a proverb. And it's wisdom for every day. So I just believe that God is going to fill us with the wisdom we need to navigate through the fall of 2021 and into the winter. And, uh, and then take us right into the new year. So God wants to speak to us and all of us together are going to be in the word. Yeah. If you are visiting with us, we just want to welcome you as well this morning. After the end of the service, if you have a minute, stop by our Welcome Center. We have a free gift for you because you are a gift to us today. Yeah. We had an awesome time of worship last night. Amen. Um, wasn't it awesome? I mean, we just, the worship team led us into, into his presence, into the throne, and, and we're just going to continue that this morning. And, you know, God inhabits the praises of his people. Amen. He's here. He's in our presence. And uh, he's worthy of our praise. 
He's worthy of our praise. So, Lord, do you have anything else you need to announce before I pray? Well, we we probably want to talk about generosity as well. Oh, yeah, okay. Yes, we'll talk about generosity. So at Living Word Chapel, we, we, uh, we really are intentional about generosity. It's one of our values because God is a very generous God. Amen? Everything we have is his. And so we, we leverage that to be generous ourselves. And we never put pressure on people to, to, to give or anything like that. In fact, if you're new with us or you're watching online, you are a gift to us today. But for us that uh, are, are uh, you know, regulars and we're members, we really value that God is generous and we continue to be generous. <clears throat> and we make it easy for you to do so with uh, three on-ramps. The online on-ramp, which is lwconline.org. Or uh, you can give in person, or you can, uh, you can give uh, uh, through mail. mail. Yeah, we still use that. Yes, and we so, do. Um, yeah, we want to keep the postal service we even going. We have to think about it. Yeah, we, we, we think, well, what's the other? What's yes. Amazon? No, no, not, not Amazon. <laughs> um, but anyways, thank you for, for your giving and your generosity. It's amazing how this church has done so many wonderful things, but it's because of you and because of God's hand. Amen. Well, if you'll stand with us, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you so much for who you are in our lives. Lord, thank you that you remain steadfast, always faithful, always trustworthy, always loving in our lives and father thank you that you love us right where we're at right where we're at we don't have to perform we don't have to pretend we come to you as we are so father this morning we want to lift your name on high we want to worship you we want to sing praise to you Lord. so be in our service god Open our minds and our hearts to hear what you have to say. Father, don't allow the enemy to steal it, God, that it would settle and, and grow and produce fruit in our lives. We turn the service over to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.
I'd spent more time at work. I wish I'd gotten more sleep. I miss watching a lot of great football games. I never got to spend enough time on Facebook. I wish the walls weren't so scratched up. I never really got to drive a cool car. I wish that planter in the backyard didn't wobble. I wish the house had been cleaner. I never had enough time to work on my fantasy sports teams. I wish I'd had more money for myself. I wish we'd slept in more on Sunday.
wish we had had more time for ourselves. Would you agree with me that uh, there is probably nothing in life that is more rewarding and more challenging than parenting? <laughs> if, you're a young par- if you're a young parent, you know, with, with uh, an infant or, or a toddler, you're saying, yeah, right? If you're a, a, a seasoned parent, you've been parenting for a while, maybe you've got teenagers, you're like, uh-huh, right? And then if you're, uh, you know, uh, an aged parent, and you have adult children, you're saying, amen. (laughs) There is nothing as rewarding and as challenging as parenting. And we've been talking about we're in it to win it. God gives us a remedy to win in life. Amen? Jesus said it himself. He said, you know, there's an enemy that comes and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything about your life. But I have come to give you Eternal life and an abundant life. That's what we receive from Jesus Christ. But there are things that we face, and, and the, the three big ones we've been talking about for the, last, um, for the last three weeks. Matt Richardson kicked off our series, and he talked about winning when you're single. It was wonderful. If you, if you didn't see that, if you weren't here, um, I, would, I, would, I would encourage you to go online and watch it on our, on our uh, video cast and there at, at online. Then last week, Sean and I brought a message talking about how do we win in marriage. We kind of brought our life story uh, from uh, chapter 2 of Genesis, the foundation of marriage. And uh, I think it's a, it's a, it's a great, great uh, message and a foundation of how you can and should be winning in marriage. Today we're going to talk about how do you win when you're raising your kids. And there may be someone that is in this in-person service right now that you're really at, at your wit's end when it comes to parenting. I think God has a word for you. Uh, you may be online and watching and uh, God has a word for you. You may be like really struggling with uh, parenting right now. Um, God has a word for you. And uh, what, what I know from my own experience, Sean and I, is that uh, we had seasons of real difficulty and then we had seasons of a lot of victory, but God was always in control. And I also noticed that my kids were probably the best behaved kids. Uh, they just did everything that we wanted to do, uh, usually in the late hours of the night when they were asleep. And then they woke up. And everything changed when they woke up. And I, I want for us to go to a passage of Scripture where Jesus is talking about how much the Father cares about his children. How much he cares about people in general. And he gives three parables there. I'm going to deal with the last parable. He gives a parable about a lost coin. And how uh, the, 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 the one who lost that coin, the owner of the coin, she swept everything, every nook and cranny to try to find that coin. And when she did, she rejoiced at that coin. And then he talks about lost sheep, one lost sheep. Or there was a shepherd that had 100 sheep and 99 of them were, were great. They were in good hands, but one had strayed away. And when he found that lost sheep, he rejoiced greater in that lost sheep than having the 99. And then he talks about a father. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. And I want to start out 
in chapter 15, so if you have your Bibles or your, uh, you know, you version, or it's going to be in your notes. Uh, we're going to go to chapter 15, and we're going to start, the, the passage will be verse 11 uh, through verse 20, uh, 31. But we're going to look at verse 1 because that helps us with the context. It helps us to understand what's going on in this, in this uh, narrative right here. It says they're tax collectors and other notorious sinners. So there's one thing to be a sinner. It's like this side of the church are sinners. But this side over here, we got Bobby Blake over here, notorious sinners. Right? And then in the middle, we got the tax collectors. And the online campus, you know what you're doing, right? But he says, uh, you know, notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people. He even had the audacity to go to In-N-Out and eat with them. So it tells us that, that, that instead of religious people being excited about it, they were upset about it. But here's what comes to my mind from the very get-go. Here's what comes to my mind. Every one of those notorious sinners and every one of those tax collectors were and was someone's child. You ever thought about that? Every person in here, you had a father and a mother. Every person that you hear about in, in, uh, on the news and, and you hear the worst of the worst, they were someone's kid, right? And you know what comes to my mind is I, I think about <clears throat> people that have really had some major failures. Lord, I wish I could have had one conversation with them. Lord, I wish I could have had just an encounter with them. Sometimes we think, I can't believe they would do what they've done. But the Father doesn't look at them that way. The Father says, I love people. Amen? And so, and so these religious people, and it helps us to understand as religious people because we shouldn't be religious, we should be in relationship with God. Amen? Je- Jesus taught his disciples to pray, our Father. A relationship that we have with God Almighty. So it's, it's not religion, it's not what you can do for God, it's what God has done for us through Jesus, and we are born again into this new relationship with the, with the Father. So he goes on in verse 11, and, and it says, uh, Jesus told them this story. He said, a man had two sons. Now, now let's just think about the audience real quick. He's talking to, to religious leaders that are complaining and grumbling, and he's talking to Sinners and tax collectors. So there's, there, there's two attitudes. One, if, one is a self-righteous attitude. The, the religious people, self-righteous. Lord, thank you for not making us like them. And then there are the sinners and the tax collectors thinking, you know what, we've done so much. We're not worthy of, of, of God. Uh, we're, we're, we're just, we're nobodies. And, and, and that's exactly the, the context right there. So Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. So what the younger son was saying is that I'm looking at you right now as if you're dead. Give me what belongs to 
to me right now. That's the attitude right there. But his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. And about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. Now, now let's just think about this. He's talking to a Jewish audience. Now, pigs were unclean. And so just Jesus talking about this makes those self-righteous people say, how could he even be amongst pigs, much less feeding the pigs? It goes on. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything to eat. And when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my emphasis. Here's the emphasis. I will go home to my father, right? And say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So this is contemplation right here. This is not even an action. This is him thinking. I'm starving here. And my dad, my dad, he treats even the hired hands better than I'm living right now. I'm just going to go back and say, I, I, I don't even have to be called your, your kid, but just let me work for you so that I can have my life back. I just want my life back. So he returned home to his father, and I love that. I love that. He returned where? Home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Now think about that. How many of us have looked for our kids waiting for them to come back? And he, when he was still a, a long way off, his father saw him coming and he was filled with love and compassion. And he ran to his son and he embraced him and he kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you and I am no longer worthy of being called your son but his father didn't even let him finish. He said, his, his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now he has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, there's two kids, right? Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working, and when he returned home, he heard music, and he saw, he saw that they were doing cumbias in the house and corridas. And he saw the dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants, what was going on? Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. And the older brother was angry 
and wouldn't go in, his father came out and he begged him, but he replied. I'm going to pause right there because think about there's two sons. Any one of us that has two kids or three or four kids, you understand that kids are always at different places. Amen? We're rejoicing with one and one is upset. It's exactly what's going on here. He replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And all that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of you, yours comes back after squandering your money with prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the, the fattened calf. He went out there and lived his life and partied his life away. I was told this morning that, that uh, vertigo, you ever heard of vertigo? Vertigo is when your life spins out of control. That uh, vertigo is like, like being drunk without the fun. <laughs> now think with me, think with me, this is good. When you live a, a drunken life, you have a lot of fun, but your world spins what? Out of control. And so, so you know, this is not in the, in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the context here, but that's exactly what's going on. And he says, you know, he, he spent all your money on prostitutes, and you're celebrating him killing the fan calf. And his father said to him, look, dear son, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your father was, I mean, your brother was dead, and has come back to life, and he was lost, but now he is found. And they had this great great party and celebration over the one that it strayed. Now, why am I even using this for a context? Because there's something about grace that changes our life. Grace is receiving something that you've never earned. So if you parent by grace, then you're coming into the you're coming into the submission of who the Father is in heaven. I want to talk about grace parenting. And here's my points, okay? Grace parenting is loving your kids where they're at, knowing that they won't stay there. Right? It's loving them where they're at because you know that where they're at is not where they're going to stay because that's not where you stayed. That's not where you stayed in the duration of your life. You know, grace parenting leaves very little room for boasting. It leaves very little room for, for, for you becoming arrogant because look at my kids, look at my family. Here, here's a word to the wise. Here's a word to the wise. Don't give yourself too much credit when your kids do good. I love how this parable starts. The man had two sons. And everything was great until his younger son came to him. Have you noticed that in your life? Everything was great until that one son or daughter came to you with that thing, with that situation, with that circumstance. 
Mom, Dad, I'm pregnant. Mom, Dad, I, I'm struggling liking the same sex. Mom, Dad, I, I have an addiction. I don't know how it started, but this is where I'm at right now. And what we find out is that when our kids do good, when, we, when our kids do good, and believe me, my kids have done, they've done good and they've done bad. But when they do good, we praise the name of Jesus. But we understand that it's by his grace that we are where we're at. Amen? That it's only by what the Lord has done. Think about it. There's, there, there's an audience there with, with two sets of attitudes. One are the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were very self-righteous. That's that son that said, I've done everything for you. And then there was the sinners and the tax collectors on the other side, and God loved them all the same. But this is something for us as, as, as individuals who walk with, with, with God through Jesus, it's, it's so important for us not to become a people that categorize ourselves as being better than others. Because we're not. It's only by God's grace that we are where we're at. You see, the, the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they love to pick apart the tax collectors and the sinners. They hated the fact that Jesus hung out with them and taught them. Their attitude was, look at us. Look at our families. You know, one of the things that, that, that we always, Sean and I always try to incorporate into our kids is, and, and to others around us is that we were called into the ministry. They were born into it. So why are you going to put pressure on our kids who have been born into the ministry for them to be any different than other kids? They're just kids when other adults. And so they had to, they had to live out that, that, that pressure, not only from us, but even in the schools. You're, they're pastor's kids. They're, these are church-going kids. They're kids. It's by the grace of God that we, we lead them and we direct them. And, and people are notorious for blaming it's, it's, look at these kids, look at, look at how bad they are, or look at their parents, look at how bad they are. The disciples even struggled with that. There was a man that was born blind, and this is what the disciples said. They said, Rabbi, in John chapter 9, verse 12, Rabbi, his disciples asked Jesus, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents? Who should we blame? Who should, we, who should we say did the wrong thing? And Jesus tells them they, they, this didn't happen because of their sin or, their, or, or uh, his parents' sin. It happened because God's glory would be revealed. And grace parenting, understand that in every season God is working for is good. God never wasted a difficult time in any one of my kids' lives, just like God never wasted a difficult time in my life. 
when I was living out there in the, in the vertigo of life. The vertigo with fun. And it squandered so much. God was always waiting for that day that I would turn. And, and I want to just speak to someone here today that, uh, that the Father in heaven who's flawless and perfect, he cares about you, but he cares about your kids. He cares about your son and your daughter that you've been estranged from. Who, who the enemy of their soul is working on them. He cares about your, your, your grandson, your granddaughter that's struggling with same-sex uh, tendencies. He's, he, he loves them. That one kid that's in, uh, in addiction, he loves them. That one, that one teenager that is, that is in, in, in just so uh, in, 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 in depth with things that are taking them to a dark place, God loves them. And I think about my father in heaven and how perfect he is. And in the, the Bible that I read, I don't know if you guys read this same Bible, but the Bible that I read talks about everyone else being full of flaws. I read, I read about King David in the Bible, and I say to him, can, can he be in here? Called a man after God's own heart. We're going to start a study in, in, in uh, um, Proverbs. Solomon wrote that called the wisest man that ever lived. 700 wives. And the concubines, they start counting. He was a busy man. <laughs> the reality is that every person needs the help of God. And what I've come to, to notice is that I have seen some good, good parents have seasons of difficulty with their children. Have you ever seen that? I've had, what, what someone would say, these are good parents, they've had seasons of difficulty with their children. I've seen what some might call bad parents have kids that seem to never give them any problems. And things can change quickly in the family dynamic, sometimes in a matter of one day or one hour or a conversation can change the course of great parenting. In my counseling sessions, when I meet with people and when they tell me the things that have happened to them that have detoured them from a, from a, from a life of trust, a date rape night can change the course of someone. A molestation can change the course of someone. And parents will beat themselves up and kids will be in a place where they're trying to navigate through the difficulty of what they're feeling inside. You see, and that's what these religious leaders did not think about because those same things were happening in that time and era, the same things that are happening today, all this sin-felt world that we live in, that's why it's so difficult for us to, to, to uh, kind of say that, that, look at how good my kids are, look at how bad they are, because we don't know what has happened to them. But we know who can restore them and who can transform their life. Simple conversation changed the life 
in this parable. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. What was going on in this young son's mentality? His, his father treated him really good. He did all kinds of good things for him. And he goes to the father and he asks, I want everything that belongs to me now. When you're, when you're, when you're going to die, I want it now. But I want you to think about kids that have grown up maybe without a, without a mom, without a dad. Maybe they've been let down time after time and they can't trust people. They, they don't trust because they've been hurt so much. And so they carry this. They carry this into their relationships. They carry this into their marriages. They carry this and then they produce this kind, this kind of untrust and, and, and this, this, this wall that they put up. And, they, and sometimes these individuals, they, they want to, to show people how good they are by their accomplishments. And so they try and they try to accomplish more. That's why I don't really get, get all excited about accomplishments because sometimes you're trying to accomplish things because your self-worth lacks. Are you with me? And do you notice that you're only as good as the last thing you've done with people? Amen? You win the Super Bowl one year, you're, you're, you are the greatest, but you lose for the next five years, you ain't nobody. And so when you're parenting, you need to understand that we're raising kids that have the potential to fail because they're kids. Grace parenting will always lead us to this. Be patient because failure is not final. You see, our kids will make a mistake, but they are not a mistake. Our kids will make mistakes, but they are not a mistake. They're fearfully and wonderfully made. They will have failures, but their failures are not final. That's why grace is so important. Grace, grace, grace. Life is about ups and downs, and parenting is no different. That's why winning parents lead their children and their teens away from a look at what I've done mentality. Uh, if there's anything that I would speak to my adult, child, adult children that are now parents is do not raise your kids to think, look at what I've done. Or look at what you've done because that's good, but that's not who you are. Your self-worth is not in your accomplishments. It's in who God made you to be. It's for you to walk in the love of God and the, and the peace of God and the joy of God. Because a look at what I've done mentality gets people stuck. People get stuck because they've messed up, they, they've screwed up their life, and they say, you know, I just, I'm not going to ever accomplish anything. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's not who you are. Or look at my success, and you're stuck in your success. That's why people talk about what they've done in the past. This is who we were. This is what we did. This is what we did. Dude, you're not in high school anymore. Move on. When people like you because of your success, they really don't like you. You, know, you find the people that like you when you're, when you're failing, those are the people that really love you. When your validation as a child or even as a parent is gauged by what you've done and what your kids are doing, they really don't know you. 
Because how many of you know that behind closed doors there's other things going on? All of us have stuff going on in our lives. All of us have struggles going on in our lives. It's so easy to get into this distorted view of parenting or growing up as a child. And the, the, the danger of it, it, it has the potential of leading people to a works-based life. Works-based acceptance. If I do good, I'm going to be accepted. If I don't do good, I'm going to be rejected. And that's not God. That's not your Father in heaven. He loves you when you mess up just as much as he loves you when you do good. At the end of the day, grace always wins. And I know that there's someone in this service or someone that's watching online that you've worked hard to be a decent person or even a good kid because you don't want to hurt your parents. And it's caused you to live a life where you're performing constantly. You live your life performing, 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 performing. And let me tell you something. When you live that kind of a life, it will exhaust you or it'll puff you up. Tell someone right now, I've messed up in life sometimes. I've messed up in life. I've had some, I've had some boo-boos in life, right? But God still loves me. It's awesome when we tell our kids, hey, I, I've, I've messed up. I've messed up. Will you forgive me? Look at the older brother, what he said all this time. You know, as the older brother's out in the field, when, when the day's work was done, he came in, and as he approached the house, he heard the music and dancing. Calling over one of the houseboys, he asked, what's going on? They told him, your brother came home, your brother, I mean, your father has ordered a feast, barbecued beef, barbacoa. Because he has him home safe and sound. Now, look at the emphasis here. He's, he, he was in the field working all day. He's, he's been faithful. He's been diligent. He's been taking care of the family's affair. He, he's the poster child of what your son or daughter should look like. But inward, hear me now, because this is what the whole thrust is. Inward, he's self-righteous. Look at what I've done. He's inward. It's all about me. He's fostered anger toward his brother, and maybe I am a better than you attitude. And the older brother was, was angry, and he wouldn't go in to the house. His father came out, and he begged him, but he replied, have you ever had this tension with your family? You ever had kids, and you're, and you're trying to, as a, as a parent, you're trying to, to, to bring some, 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 some bridges into maybe a, an, an argument with, with, with uh, siblings in your family? I've been there. They're mad at each other because of something that's happened. This is exactly what's going on here. His father came out and he begged him. But the, but the, but the son who, who, who was this good boy, self-righteous, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat. So that tells me that that was festering right there. And sometimes that happens with us with God. We, we say, I, we've, I've served you for so long. Yesterday I preached a, 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 in, in a memorial service, which it's beautiful to see Sue 
here, Sue Miller, we did Cy Miller's memorial service. What a, what a wonderful celebration we had. And to see the whole family here is awesome. Cy Jr. and Beth and Carol and everybody here. But I talked about the 11th hour and how God's grace is not fair. Did you know that? God's grace is not fair. It's grace. He meets us where we need to be met. And some of us didn't deserve heaven, but we got it because of what Jesus did for us. So the father was, was teaching his, his self-righteous son was failure is not final. See, you need to know this. If you have a, a son or a daughter that's, that's out there, failure is not final. God's not done. Don't blame yourself. Here, here's here's the, the, the third thing that's vital. Trust that the love of the father is greater than their sin. Let me, let me share a secret with you. Your kids are not little angels. They're sinners. Right? But the love of the Father is greater than their sin. And this, this holds true for you as well. And, and grace parenting is good for your soul. It's good for your emotional health. It's good for your mental health. Because it helps us to understand that we don't have to beat ourselves up when our children go astray. You don't have to beat yourself up for, look at what I've done. I'm such a bad parent. I've failed. You haven't failed. He's failing, but God's not done. And you'll always win as a parent when you understand that your kids and your teens may stray, even when you've done all the right things as a parent. This is why I didn't want to give you a message today with eight or ten points on what you should be doing, because you may do all that and still your kids may stray. But God's not done. God is bigger than their failure. The younger son packed all his belongings and he moved to a distant land and there he wasted all his money in wild living. Now, this is so incredibly important because who's the father in that parable? God. Who are the children? The, the self-righteous tax, I mean, the self-righteous Pharisees and Sadducees and the sinners and the, no, the notorious sinners and the tax collectors. And God is perfect and yet his children stray. Are you saying that God did something wrong? Hear me? Are you, are you grabbing my point? It's not you, beloved. It's not you, online campus. It's not you that can, can make your parent, I mean, your kids be so-and-so. It's by the grace of the living God. And what I've noticed is that when my kids are doing well, or when my kids are out there and they stray and they do the, some things that are the worst things that I could ever think for them to do, I love them all the same. And that's how much God loves us. <clears throat> Here's 
here's, here's the, fourth, the fourth thing that I want you guys to grab a hold of. Because sometimes our kids will stray. Sometimes our kids and we ourselves will make very boneheaded decisions. You ever made a boneheaded decision? You ever heard that statement? Yes. I see a, a, a husband and a wife. A wife's going like this. Yeah, he makes them all the time. That was last week's message too. <clears throat> but here's what I want for us to grab a hold of. We learned this from, from the Father in heaven. Always be ready to welcome them home with a grace party. Always be ready to welcome them home with a grace party. That's why every person that walks in the doors of any church should be welcome no matter where they're at because the Father in heaven loves them very much. No matter what they've done, no matter where they're living, no matter how they're dressed, no matter, what they've, they're, they're, no matter what's gone on, God loves them more than we could ever imagine. And God teaches us something about celebrations. And we spend more time wallowing in our children's failures and anticipating the celebration parties. And here's, here's how I know that. Because sometimes my, my adult children will call me and say, well, you know, how are the kids doing? Well, they're struggling with this and they're struggling with this or struggling with this. They're doing this or doing this or doing this. They're doing this or doing this. Can you talk to them? But sometimes, beloved, we need to celebrate the good. Are you with me? Sometimes we need to celebrate the good and the grace of what God is doing in our lives. There's always good. He returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, just picture this with me. His father saw him coming, and he was filled with love and compassion and he ran to his son he embraced him he kissed him his son said to him father i have sinned against both heaven and you he he knew what he had done i've messed up i've sinned against you i'm no longer worthy of being called your son and the father embraced him and he loved him and he threw a party you, you, when we renovated the Holy Spirit directed us, and I believe it's the Holy Spirit, to put some big, bold letters as people walk in from the, from the cafe. And you know what it says? Welcome home. Welcome home. Because every person, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, you need to know that this is a home that God has placed for you to feel the grace and the love and the compassion of the Father in heaven. And if God loves me that much, who am I not to love and welcome my kids and throw a barbacoa and throw carne asada? In, 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 in the previous parable, I'm going to close with this. In the previous parable, Jesus said this. He says, when, when, when they found that lost coin... He said, that's the way God responds every time one lost sinner repents and turns to him. He says to all his angels, let us have a joyous celebration for the one who was lost, I have found. And can I tell you that, that every time, every time that someone says yes to Jesus, there is, a, there is a party that goes on in heaven that you could never, never outdo how much more should we be partying here on earth 
when people come back to the love of the Father. Your kids, I don't know where they're at right now. I don't know how much they're struggling, but they need to know that your love for them is greater than their failures. That your compassion for them is, is greater than all the negativity that they're living in. And that when they come back, they're going to be welcomed back into the hands and love of grace. Amen? It changes everything. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this time that we had this morning. And Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would just move upon all of our hearts as we think about parenting, as we navigate through the difficulty and the struggles. We know, Lord, that you are our anchor and you are the source that helps us to navigate and raise up children who win. Because it's not by our own abilities and efforts, it's by your grace that we do it. So we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Let's stand up and worship our King.
Sunday.